Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Danny Carroll has survived cancer of the lung, testicle, and jaw. He has spent 20 years researching cancer solutions and the last seven years helping terminally ill cancer patients to fully recover their health. Danny is British, educated at the London School of Economics, and has lived in Mumbai, India since 1996. Danny, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Absolute pleasure, Andrea. It's lovely to be here. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I that's a lot. So, take us back to the beginning and help us understand what was the first cancer diagnosis and and if these are linked in any way. Well, here's the thing, right? I've I've only been able to piece a lot of this together in hindsight. Um, the jaw of the cancer happened in 2019. Um, if you see, and how old were you then? I got false teeth. All of these are false teeth. It, it, oh well, it, I wouldn't know. Oh, so. oh, all, my t- all my teeth fell out, <laughs> and, my, and I had to have a reconstructive surgery on my jaw. Yeah. Um, so this was only three years this ago. Is three years ago, yeah. Was that the first time you had cancer? No, that's the last time I had cancer. Okay, so take us back to the first time. So in the year two thousand my lung collapsed, my left lung. I was on, I was in my honeymoon uh, in Venice initially, and I collapsed outside a restaurant. Uh, I didn't know at the time what it was. I then returned to India and I was, I was, a, I was in a hill station in South India and my lung fully collapsed. Now they say when you're lung collapses they have about two hours to get you to intensive care otherwise you die. Uh, It took them six hours to get me to intensive care. Um, My heart was round here, my left lung had fully collapsed, my right lung was somewhere around here Um, and when I went into hospital, they basically said, sir, do you realize you only have one lung? And I thought, I said, I said uh, in jest to the, to the doctor, I'm damn sure I had two when I came in. I love you already. <laughs> now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What happens? You go into surgery. Yeah, well, they, 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 they cut mean... you open, right? And they put a pipe in you so that they can. Right. suck all of the air because you keep breathing in right and the air keeps going inside and inside and then your heart goes round and your lungs go round and, and you end up like this um now in the initial diagnosis the doctors told me i had what was called a spontaneous pneumothorax okay what's that it's a, it's a spontaneous lung collapse they don't know why it happens okay 
That sounds like the diagnosis they go to when they have no idea what actually they, they don't understand. They don't understand the process end to end, right? So they say, we don't know why it happens. It spontaneously exploded and your lung collapsed. Um, it wasn't until I started studying the, the medical findings of Dr. Richard Geard Hummer that I was able to piece together what caused the problem, what happened. It was basically a lung cancer and, and what Dr. Hummer describes as the healing crisis. Basically, it bursts the outside of the lung and then the lung collapses. So a couple of questions. One, did, were you diagnosed with lung cancer by the doctors? Do they do a biopsy? And two, if your lung collapses, how do they fix that? I mean, what do they do? Uh, I was not diagnosed with lung cancer because by at that point in time, it was at the end of the healing process. So you couldn't see the cavern in the lung because the lung had collapsed. Okay. Okay. And so what happens? How do they fix a lung collapsing? What do they do? They operate and they put a tube through your ribs. They just cut you through here and put a tube inside you. And then they suck the air and all of the fluid that's in the lung cavity. And then the lung starts to reinflate basically. Prior to this, did you have any lung issues? I, I used to have chronic um, bronchitis all the time. And I know, for example, I have scar tissue in one of my lungs. Did you have any lung issues? Had you smoked in the past? You know, had you been exposed to chemicals? Anything like that? I mean, I started smoking at the age of eight. No. <laughs> no. I've been smoking for over 40 years. <laughs> You're shitting uh, me. You started smoking at the age of eight? I got first caught by the police when I was eight years old smoking, yeah. Wow. We started very, we started okay, things very young. Who were we you started very, <laughs> we started things very young in the UK, right? <laughs> all our bad, oh all our bad habits, we started young. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you recovered from that. You fully recovered? I fully recovered from that one. Okay. Um, so what comes next? Is that the testicular cancer diagnosis? Yeah, so the, the testicular cancer, basically what happened is my left testicle ended up about half of the size of my right testicle. Um, over a period of time? Over about a 20-year period. Okay, and that's strange. When I started studying Germanic New Medicine or Germanisch Heilkund, which is the medical science I practice now, I had my brain scan done and my teacher identified that I had a ongoing conflict that is otherwise diagnosed as testicular cancer. Um, and it was still running at that point in time. I, when I got married in 2016. And I took on... Wait, okay. Sorry, back up. I'm confused. So you were on a honeymoon the first time, right? I was on a honeymoon the first time, yeah. Okay, different marriage, I take it? Yeah, I, I got divorced in 2011. 2000, okay, all right. So get married in 2016. So I got, re I got, go re I got remarried 
in 2016. And my wife and I, we don't want children. So I, I okay. took on the responsibility of contraception. Okay. So I decided to have a vasectomy. Great. Okay. When I, what when I had the vasectomy, basically the testicle went into healing and then I had basically 20 on 10 testicular pain, which is basically where the testicle was growing back again. Now, if I went in to an oncologist to get, because my testicles were bruised and swollen and 20 on 10 pain, if I'd have gone in to have a diagnosis on that one, then basically it would have been diagnosed as testicular cancer. But I, I knew it was okay. I knew it was coming because on my brain scan, my teacher had already had identified it was a problem. And okay. interestingly, but it healed. Yeah, it healed. And interestingly, when I spoke to my teacher about it, we identified that both the lung cancer and the testicular cancer were caused by my ex-fiance in the UK aborting a child when I was studying at the London School of Economics and she aborted it about telling me. Okay. And fast and you recovered from the vasectomy, I take yes. it. Yes. Okay. So talk to us about three years ago and cancer and your jaw and your teeth falling out like where did that start what were the symptoms so I had excruciating pain in my jaw okay. um, I have a very high pain threshold me too so for me I've got to get a past 10 on 10 pain before I even start considering taking any painkillers or medicine or medication or anything like that. Um, I had 20 on 10 pain here in my jaw. Uh, and it took me about a month to find out what caused it. And it turned out it was a five second disagreement with my wife. Okay. So when I identified the cause of the, 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 the emotional conflict that triggered this program, I switched this program off. But then for the next three months, um, this particular problem is healed with TB microbacteria. So I had the taste and the smell of rotting flesh for three months. And then when the TB microbacteria removed the cancer from my jaw, it basically all my teeth fell out. So help us understand what is this bacteria? Um, TB microbacteria is a bacteria that is a natural bacteria that removes cancer from growths in the old brain. That is basically the pond of the brainstem and the cerebellum, which is basically the brain at the back of the head here. So when we have an emotional trauma, we have tissue plus. So the tissue is added, the cancerous uh, tumor is added here. When you resolve that conflict, the tissue is removed. 
So it's tissue minus. That tissue is removed with TB, micro, TB microbacteria. But it basically it rots the flesh. So for a three-month period after I resolved that conflict, I had the taste and the smell of rotting flesh for three months. So this was not a treatment you did. This was a natural an, occurring process that it's happened. It's a natural occurring process, yes. Okay. And so that rots your jaw, your teeth fall out. My teeth did fall out, okay. yeah. Okay. And, and what did you do? Because reconstructing the jaw is very difficult. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm lucky because I can resolve the cancer issues myself then if, if I'd have gone to an oncologist, for example, he would have cut my entire jaw out here. Yeah, so you see people who have oral cancers, they have like their top lip cut out or their jaw cut out and stuff like that. I didn't have to go through that pros because I could resolve the cancer myself. But the, the cancer still destroyed a decent part of my jaw. Um, so I had to have a five-hour dental surgery. They put a bone graft on my jaw and then implants in to replace all the teeth that had fallen out. Do you have any issues today with, with eating on that side of your jaw? No. So I want to clarify something because I think it's really important for our audience to understand. So you never received a diagnosis of cancer through a biopsy or other means from... A medical doctor. I would never go. Okay. So let's talk about that. Why would you never go to what, you know, in Western medicine, we consider a traditional medical doctor? Well, I've been studying health and cancer for the last 20 years. Um, My entire family have died in cancer wards of hospitals. Oh my, my entire family. I don't remember anybody in my family who has not died in a cancer ward. Is this back in the UK? Mm-hmm. Oh. So I started, I, I got triggered into going deep into the cancer industry about 16, 17 years ago. Um, when I had a friend who had a cancer diagnosis, she couldn't afford the cancer treatment. I ran a marathon, raised some money, funded her cancer treatment. And she, when she went into hospital, I mean, all they said she was sick, but she looked fit and fine to me. I mean, she was, she looked healthy, right? What kind of cancer did she have? I don't remember exactly, but it was metastasized, multiple Okay. It was stage three, I think, from memory. Um, Okay. She had three rounds of chemo and she was dead. And she used to, she used to. Okay, take a moment. What was her name, Danny? Parveen. That's a pretty name. She was a pretty lady. And how did you guys meet? We used to work together at a chamber of commerce. In Bombay. Really? She was such a lovely lady. She used to message me from hospital saying, 
I don't know what these doctors are doing, but it sounds like they're putting poison in my veins. Yeah, when you receive chemo, there is a skull and crossbones on the medication. On the bag, there is. I know. So I've had so many traumatic experiences with oncologists and modern modern medicine and stuff. It, if my life depended on it, I, I wouldn't go to one. Now, luckily, I, yeah. I, through the best parts of two decades of studying cancer, what it really is, how it really works, I know when it comes. Luckily, I know when to. I know how to stop it. So, from what you've studied, what would you say cancer is? The best way to to describe what cancer is is to explain how my teacher discovered it. My teacher was a German okay. doctor called Doctor Richard Geert Hummer. For my many years of being down different alternate medicine rabbit holes, I've learned that the more value there is in somebody's discoveries, the more noise there is in order to try and sort of cover those discoveries. Mm-hmm. With this doctor, there was huge amounts of noise. Now, he was a traditional medical doctor. In 1979, his son was shot and murdered. Oh. 78, sorry. Three months after his son died, he got testicular can- cancer. Now, he was a traditional medical doctor, so he didn't know if there was any causal link between him getting cancer and his son dying, but he couldn't oh. help think that it can't. I mean, he was in his late 40s, otherwise a healthy guy. And all of a sudden, his son dies, and then he gets cancer three months later. Uh, he was after he recovered. He was appointed as the head of the cancer research unit at the gynecological oncology unit at Tubingen University in Germany. Okay. And he now, I'm just curious. Did he do what was considered traditional treatment for his testicular cancer? He had surgery. He didn't have chemotherapy. He had his testicle removed. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. So it's contained there. Okay. So continue. Yeah. He was the head of the gynecological oncology unit. He was working with 200 female terminally ill cancer patients. And he wanted to understand whether they had gone through a similar type of emotional trauma as him before they got cancer. And out of, and right. out of 200, 200 had Wow. So then what he did is, he was a bright guy, right? He started taking these women and putting them into different buckets of ovarian cancer and cervical cancer and introductory breast cancer and mammary breast cancer. And what he observed was all of the women in the same bucket suffered from the same type of trauma. So, for example, the women in the ovarian cancer bucket had suffered from a similar type of trauma that he'd suffered before he got testicular cancer. And that's basically a profound loss. Okay. He lost his son, right? 
know, with many years of research later, what he discovered is that the tumour that came on his testicle had a biological purpose and a biological function. His son was murdered. He got a tumour on his testicle. That tumour basically was testosterone producing. And the biological purpose of that was to increase his testosterone and sperm, pro sperm production so that he'd have a better chance to get his wife pregnant, to replace a child he just lost. And if he'd have done that, that program would have switched off because it's achieved its biological purpose. And it's the same with all types of cancer. So cancer, in his understanding, is basically nature increasing our capacity to solve a critical problem in life. Doctors think that cancer is abnormal cell growth. But it's abnormal to them because they don't understand why it happens. Well, anyone can get cancer. I think that's what is important for people to understand. Yeah, but when you, when you understand what it is, there's nothing to fear. It's beautiful. Nature is increasing the capacity of one of your organs or one of your organ systems in order to help you to solve a critical problem. Once you've solved that problem, it goes back to its original capacity. So I think this is really interesting that you went down this path. Before you started studying this, what were you doing in your career? Well, what I was doing then is what I'm still doing now. I mean, for me, healing, I mean, I, I specialize in healing terminal cancer patients. And for me, it's a, it's a hobby. Okay, people get, doctors send people home to die. Somehow they find me and I help them to resolve whatever conflicts they're facing and fully recover their health. Not all of them. Right. I honestly, I haven't counted. Right? I mean, I don't charge anything. I, I do it to give back to, to the community. Um, but I've saved hundreds of lives. Is there a particular person, or I'll use the word patient, who came to you who who really made an impact on your life in some way? I had this 74-year-old man with terminal lung cancer. Okay. That's what the doctors had told him. That's what the doctors had told him. Biopsy-proven uh, lung cancer of the alveola. Okay. So the alveoli gets gets affected by a fear of death. So I, I and, and he'd also lost his voice. So I said to his son, totally lost his totally voice. Lost his voice. He couldn't talk. Oh God. So I, so basically, he had a form of throat cancer and a form of lung cancer, which was biopsy proven. Right. Okay. So I couldn't find out what the cause of the problem was. This 74-year-old man, he lived with his son and his daughter-in-law and his grandson, and he was retired and lived a simple, happy life, right? So I sent him to get a brain scan so that I could check the medical diagnosis on the brain scan. 
our brains have our entire life history. Right, I know. Okay. It's so when you get a CT scan of the brain, you can see somebody's entire life. So I got his brain CT scan, and even though the doctors had a biopsy to, to prove that the lung cancer was in the alveoli, when I checked his brain scan, there was no problem with the alveoli. With the, alveoli. the problem was in the bronchi, which are the tubes that go down into the lungs. Okay, so the, these are affected by what's called a territorial conflict. Okay, when you're angry about something in your territory. Okay. Now, my understanding was lung issues can also be where your grief resides. Is that true? The lung alveoli, yes, but not okay. the bronchi. Okay. So this old man had a problem in his bronchi and not in his alveoli. So then I said, I didn't change my line of questioning to his, to his son. I'm like, and he lost his voice, which indicated he, there's a problem he couldn't talk about. Yeah, he couldn't speak up. Yeah. He couldn't speak his voice, right? That's why he lost his voice. Right. The grandson was grandfather's blue-eyed boy. Daughter-in-law came home from work, had a bad day in office, and whacked young blue-eyed boy around the head oh. and sent him upstairs oh. and and grandfather thought it was highly unjust okay i got the family together the daughter-in-law son, the son grandson grandfather when i explained to them what caused the lung cancer and the cancer in his throat daughter-in-law sat down apologized to blue-eyed boy grandson in front of the grandfather, apologized to the grandfather, said, I'm really sorry, bad day in office, won't happen again. And within two weeks, he was back to full health again. Wow. Oh, my goodness, that's so crazy. And he'd been sent home to die. Oh. I had one lady... She was given 17 rounds of chemo oh, based on a blood test. A blood test? Based on a blood test. Wasn't even a biopsy with a piece of tissue? Nothing. Based oh. on a blood test, told she had cancer, cancer markers in her blood test, took 17 rounds of chemo, sent home to die. I think she ran out of money. In India, there's, in India, there's no insurance or there is a lot of people don't have it, right? Right. Sent home to die after she ran out of money. Came to me. Uh, a brain scan in India costs like $40. She got a brain scan That's done. Wild. I went for a brain scan. No cancer. Nothing. I mean, I've got horror stories aplenty. So she never needed any of that chemo? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with her. She's lucky she's, I don't know how she survived 17 rounds of chemo. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary. Is there someone who came to you and they were too far gone to be saved? It's not an issue that someone's too far gone. I mean, we can only heal ourselves. Some people can mm. and some people can't. And it also, if, if you've had a problem that's been there for 30, 40, 50 years, then it gets really complex. 
Right. And some of those yeah. are just really difficult to solve. Or they don't have the capacity to solve those problems themselves. Right. So there's no such thing as being too late. But some people just do not have the capacity to heal themselves. That's the way it is, right? Without giving us a name, can you give us an example of someone like that? Oh, yeah. I had a breast cancer patient in in Malaysia. And she started out with a small melanoma just next to her nipple, which... She'd had, she'd, she'd had a diagnosis of introductory ca- breast cancer, but the melanoma is where they did the biopsy in the breast. So when you start digging holes in people, the body, the body reacts. And in this case, she got, she oh, got a sure. melanoma on, on, the, on the biopsy spot. That bled for a while. She couldn't cope with it. So then she had a mastectomy. And then she got... Melanoma was all around the areas of the, where the breast had been removed, and and all along the, all along the scar. And then, and then she had a problem that that caused pleural effusion, which is um, fluid in between the lung cavity. And then she had an existence conflict that makes you retain fluid. And then she just blew up like a balloon, and then she died. Oh. At what point did she come to you or find you? This is a challenge. This is another interesting thing. She came. She came to me relatively early on, but she never really came to me. She only really came to me when doctor sent her home to die. Mm. And this was really funny. Because she'd been she'd been like reeling me in and let me go and reeling me in and let me go for a long period of time, it triggered a a major toothache in my tooth when I was for, my, my, for, you. for me yeah. When she came to me finally, it triggered a major toothache and I couldn't find out what caused the toothache. I was in um, I was in California at the time. My wife my wife's parents live in in California. And we were on our way out to a, a, a resort to spend a couple of days. And I went all through the day and I had this huge boom, 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 throbbing pain. And I couldn't find out what caused the problem. And I woke up. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream what caused my toothache. And then I woke my wife up and I said, I've just had a dream what caused my toothache. And as soon as I found out what caused a toothache, bang, gone. And I went back to sleep. Next morning, woke up, no toothpaste. Toothache completely gone. It's bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this guy's crazy. (laughs) If you could only do one thing to change healthcare, and I was going to say in India, but you said it would be the same for the UK as well and the US. What would it be and why? It took me 10 or 11 years to find Dr. Rickard Gidhammer. It's taken me another nine years of 
studying it and I'm still just really scratching the surface. If I had the knowledge that I have now, when I if I if I was taught it in school, right, then I wouldn't have suffered from most of the issues I have. If the knowledge I have was taught in schools across the world, there would be no healthcare system, which is the problem. Mm, yeah. Because everybody would have the knowledge to heal themselves. And that's... When you say taught in schools, are you talking about what is the equivalent of high school here in the US, like biology class in high school? Can, I've, got, uh, I've got some books that have been made to teach like five-year-olds, four-year-olds. Really? Uh, like little oh, storyboards, well, mummy's got a lump in her breast, or I've got a sore throat or something like that. And then you just you put it in, in wow. children's books. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I will share with you when I ask that question, the top two answers I get now consistently mm. are mental health services having those provided as part of oh, yeah. a holistic, you know, care. Absolutely. And cancer specifically combining both Eastern and Western medicine. And again, having that sort of holistic integrative approach. Absolutely. Because most people I talk to, if they dabble, I'll say Eastern medicine, if they, you know, even understand what Ayurveda is, for example, that comes later. Yeah. And it comes after things haven't worked mm -hmm. or they've done so much damage mm -hmm. and they're, they're trying, they're trying to heal themselves to your point. Um, okay. So, um, but mo modern medicine has a, has a very important role. Let me, let me make it clear. Okay. I mean, okay. when it, when it comes to stabbings and shootings and car accidents and reconstructive surgeries and, Cosmetic surgeries and so modern medicine is amazing. But when it comes down to disease management, prevention, cure, I mean, as I say in your first day in medical school, right? I mean, a patient cured is, is, a, is a customer lost, right? Hmm. All right, Danny, are you ready for the Thriver Rapid Fire? Go on, Andrea. <laughs> do it. Okay, let's do it. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Come on, that's not an option, yeah. Beatles, of course. We have Beatles. Yeah, okay, that's what I figured, but you know, you don't want to assume. Uh, <laughs> what is one word? <laughs> you never want to assume. Uh, I'm a Beach Boys person myself. What is one word that best describes you? Unrelenting. Ooh, I like it. Mm. Before you die, what's the last song you want to hear? Dr. Hummer's healing music. You'll have to give us a link to that, by yeah. the way. What's the last meal you want to eat? Chicken biryani. What is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> It's a. I like chicken. I like berries. What is chicken that? Chicken biryani. It's basically it's a it's a spicy chicken dish with rice. It's delicious. Okay. It's delicious. That sounds good. Amazing. 
What about the last person you want to see? Oh, that's easy. That's my wife. She's my soulmate. Oh. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh. It's so it's so nice when you finally find that person, oh. right? But do, do you want to know? This is karma for you. Uh, what? After my ex-wife and I split up, my current wife was the first woman I met. And if I could draw my perfect woman, I would have drawn my wife. Oh. She's amazing. Oh, my. How did you guys meet? Now I have to ask. But she's an American diplomat, and she was posted to Bombay. And I run, a, I run what is believed to be the best social networking event in Bombay, which is called the Cigar Club. Nice. I'm, I'm the brand ambassador for the most expensive cigars in the world. And I bring cigar smokers together, and the diplomats all like to come in. So she came to my event, and that's where we met. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. Well, now I understand why her parents live in California. No, her, right? par- yeah, her, right, yeah, yeah, her parents. Yeah, her parents. Her parents, yeah. <laughs> what about the last words you will speak? I love you. And aside from Cancer You, what is one resource that you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And also, please tell people how they can get in touch with you. So I've just written my first book that basically summarizes the last 20 years of my research. It's quite short. It's about a one and a half hour read, but it guides you through the community of Germanic New Medicine or Germanic Heilkund practitioners, including in the U.S., so it's like a central resource. What's the title of the book? Terminal cancer is a misdiagnosis. Ooh, good, good title. Yeah. Okay. So that's hopefully being published this month. Okay. Yeah. But well, please let us know when it comes that out. That book is so like, can... will guide you all the way through the community. Okay. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, I'm on Twitter, theoretically. That's jit. <laughs> All right. If you haven't been I'm not very good at <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? GNM India. German New Medicine India. Got it. Okay. That's perfect. Okay. That's one. All right. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. If you look in India, find Danny Carroll. And you can join me and my closest 3,000 friends on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I love LinkedIn. Okay. Or you can email me. What's your email? We'll Easiest one well. is dc at recallcapital.in. Okay. That's, I think that's the one I have, so we'll make sure. Yeah, that and I help cancer patients, and I only charge in karma. That's amazing, really. It, it really is. Karma is so much more valuable than cash. Danny, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your incredibly remarkable story. And also thank you for all the work you're doing in the world. I I wish I had known about you way back when. I'm sorry I wasn't there. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, 
Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.